0: Fired up. Deep breath. Let's get effort. I think this is going to give us a good bumper here. We're just going to go like hell. And more, you need to go like hell. Bumper, bumper, bumper! Go there, go! It's pretty good right now. Go, go, go! All you got now. Oh, he just wrecked us. Just you and him, bud. The mower still there Corner. Clear clear all the way by half. No run coming through. see better. Good morning, race fans. It is Tuesday, March 9th, 2021, and you are tuned in to Hard Charging. My name is Mike Bachman, and today is episode four of this NASCAR podcast. And we are dropping the hammer every Tuesday during the NASCAR season. On today's episode, we are breaking down the Penzoil 400 from Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Kyle Larson returns to victory lane for the first time since being suspended. And should we buy into some 550 horsepower stock after yet another fantastic race? We have a lot to discuss on today's episode. I hope you found somewhere comfortable to enjoy. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, start your engines. A couple of housekeeping notes as always before we get started with the show want to make you aware of the other platforms that we are pumping out content to. Uh, If you want to further engage with the show we have the YouTube channel. All of the social links will be linked in the description of this podcast episode and every podcast episode Uh, but we have the YouTube channel up and running uploading exclusive content. So far Uh, We have mostly podcast segments up there trying to get in the workflow of uh, putting up some more exclusive content, but Come on, guys, let's get up to 50 subscribers. We're at 36 right now. Let's see if we can get to 50. I really, really appreciate it and really, really looking forward to uh, uploading some exclusive content that will be only on YouTube. So subscribe to that channel. We are also up on social media. You can connect with me on Twitter at MV You can also connect with the show on TikTok at Mike.Bach. We're uploading TikTok videos and segments of the podcast there. And as always, uploading episodes every Tuesday during the 2021 NASCAR seasons but a lot of fun man the start of this season has been nothing short of amazing and this race at Las Vegas just proved that even more so and coming into this weekend there were a couple of pre-race stories that I primarily was focused on the first being Matt Benedetto, and we've talked about Matt Benedetto. I feel like a broken record at this point talking about him but coming into this weekend with 14 total points in the first three races Really needed to come into this weekend under the mindset that we have to win this race. Matt Benedetto finished runner-up at both Vegas races in 2020, so you had to believe that this was their best shot, and possibly their only shot, at making the playoffs. So really needed to capitalize on stage points, and in my opinion, at the very least, finish top five, but this team coming into the weekend... Had to be the mindset we got to win now, it's our best chance. Otherwise, digging out of this early season hole, especially with the drivers that have won races so far this year, you know, not putting themselves in a good position. So, they really needed to show up, and we'll talk about it later on in the episode. I was interested in Roush Fenway Racing, they showed up last week at Homestead Miami Speedway and impressed the hell out of us. Chris Busher, uh, the Debut winner of the Hard Charging Award, laying down the most fastest laps in the race. And both Chris Busher and Ryan Newman both ran top 10 majority uh, most of that race, even though Chris Busher got behind on on uh, pit stops, wasn't able to get back up front. But still, were we going to see the same speed at a similar track, being Las Vegas? Will we see the same excitement as last week? You know, we had a strong showing from the 550 horsepower package last week. I even said it was arguably the best 550-horsepower race that I have seen, but now Vegas totally excludes that, and we'll talk about that because this race was absolutely fantastic, and to go into it, this 550-horsepower package is so frustrating because we get races like these, but we also get races like Kansas last year in the playoffs that just has me back and forth. I still don't like this package. I I really don't. This racing has been great, but it's just crazy just seeing how much of a 180 this package has done in the off season. Uh, And I was curious because I was wondering if, you know, were we using a new tire compound for this race, same tire compound for this race uh, as last year. So primarily it was, you know, a product of The cool temperatures and the track just having a high grip level, cars were able to stick to the surface a lot easier and we were able to see, again, multiple grooves being used like at Homestead, not necessarily as uh, dominant maybe as Homestead or as defined as those grooves are. I just think the track conditions were perfect and Vegas is in a similar situation with Homestead Miami being that they haven't been repaved in quite a while. It's been... Uh, Vegas was last repaved in 2006 and Homestead back in 2003 when they reconfigured it with the banking. Uh, so outside of those two tracks, Atlanta is the only mile and a half that has yet to be repaved, but Hey, right now, this is what we need to get and we have to enjoy it while it lasts, but we saw so much close racing once again. And the first stage, probably the best opening stage that I have ever seen since stage racing was implemented And that's even including super speedway racing. We had 12 total passes for the lead in just stage one, where in the fall race last year, we had 20 total uh, green flag passes for the lead. 20 total, when we almost eclipsed that in stage one. Nobody could get away. I mean, we saw guys, we saw the top 10 for 15, 20, 25, maybe even 30 laps be within a second of each other. We saw a group of 10 cars able to get away, but we weren't able to see the leader pull away from the pack. And that is what this package has been, uh, you know, riding off of. And we were finally really able to see it in action today. And we saw three wide for the lead for multiple laps. It was I think Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, and Kyle Larson for three straight laps, nobody given an inch, three wide for multiple laps, which was unbelievable at the front. So just all around, incredible incredible stage one. And it was interesting hearing drivers on their radio talk about uh, how their car was because we heard from guys uh, like Ryan Blaney, for example, who was talking about you know, running full throttle. I mean, the guys were, didn't even lift, uh, lift the gas pedal going through the corners. And so it was just amazing seeing these guys and just, you know, understanding that guys like Hendrick Motorsports who dominated most of this race, you know, just how fat, how much faster they were. And there's nothing that these other guys can do about it because they're going flat out. So it just shows how in much, Speed Hendrick Motorsports has shown early this year, but the tempo did slow down in stage two. I gotta say, it was very much a more ordinary mile and a half stage that I think we're used to. There was a lack of cautions. We had green flag pit stops, which, yes, you know, definitely adds a little bit of a strategic element to the race. But stage one, we had a few cautions and it bunched the field up together. We were able to see the restarts. Uh, which obviously were absolutely incredible and were lasting more than two laps this race. Uh, But the tempo did slow down, and guys like Brad Keselowski, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott continued to dominate this race. It was really a Penske-Hendrick Motorsports type day, uh, with even Joe Gibbs in there as well. Gibbs had a strong showing. Uh, as we'll look down the list of drivers. But stage three, I thought, was a perfect culmination of both stage one and stage two. We had action, we had strategy with cautions, but we also had uh, green flag runs in there as well. And we were also gifted with yet another impeccable Chase Elliott save. My God, Chase Elliott, the way that he is able to wheel these cars. I mean, the guy coming off turn two sideways barely gets into Kurt Busch, and Matt DiBenedetto doing a great job of avoiding that wreck. But Chase Elliott being able to keep it off the wall and keep that car going is just unfreaking believable We saw it at the Daytona Road Course where he was sliding up in the grass and getting all squirrely, and now we see it again here. So that was just really, really awesome to watch. And Kyle Larson also, too, I'll say, uh, I think learned from his mistake for not pitting for tires at the end of Stage 1. If we remember, at the end of Stage 1, Uh, some guys elected to stay out some guys elected to pit and tires obviously being a big advantage at these tracks Uh, we saw Kyle Larson drop out of uh, the top 10 in stage one and miss out on some points so learning from his mistake here in stage three pitting with the leaders uh, and keeping that track position with those new tires he did however miss the entrance to pit road during green flag pit stops but Brad Keselowski still, even at that, was not able to overtake the lead. So Kyle Larson was just remaining in control, even with that little slip. But definitely made it a little more close and a little more exciting, uh, as if it were not to happen. So all in all, an incredible race. Uh, really, really impressed with the racing here at Las Vegas. And I'll tell you, advocates for the 550 horsepower package, you guys are really getting your money's worth this year. You know and as I've said, I still don't like the idea of guys driving wide open, right? Uh, You really shouldn't be having the need to not even lift your foot off the gas going around these mile and a half tracks. So that part of it still, I can't come to terms with, and I still think we need to get horsepower back in these cars. I'll I'll continue to say it. Um, But again, I I cannot fault this racing right now. I can't I can't say anything about it. I mean, it's. I mean, it's. 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 It's absolutely fantastic, and you know, I'm. I'm. I'm hoping that it continues, and that we continue to uh, get these stories because it's been a one hell of a start to the year in terms of in terms of the racing. We've had. We've had some controversy, but it's been great. It's been really, really great. And speaking of stories, we have to talk about our winner from this past weekend, Mr. Kyle Larson, who became the quickest driver to win. For Rick Hendrick, and he gets his first win since being suspended by NASCAR back in April. And I have to start with this I have to apologize to all you uh, Kyle Larson fans because I absolutely whiffed on Kyle Larson at the start of the season. I really did not think that he was going to be much of a threat to start because of him being out of the car for so long. I really thought that the one day shows was really gonna, really gonna hurt him and his team chemistry, because we look at this crew and we look at this team that he inherited. You know, this is the forty eight crew of last year. This team has not seen Victory Lane uh, since twenty seventeen, and they haven't seen the playoffs since twenty eighteen. So, you know, this team has really been struggling, and it, you know, it was constantly being talked about because it, they're their driver's seven-time champion, Jimmy Johnson. And, you know, he's at the end of his career, and they were obviously all always in the news because they were underperforming compared to, to, compared to other cars. But even at that, Hendrick Motorsports, you know, yes, they have gotten better. Yes, Chase Elliott is the defending champion. Um, but maybe I just underestimated Hendrick Motorsports this year because, I mean, they've come out, and they are looking like the class of the field right now. William Byron and Kyle Larson... I mean, we haven't even been able to see what Chase Elliott and Alex Bowman are made of. I still believe Alex Bowman's going to have a really good year. And Chase Elliott, obviously, you can't count him out anywhere. Uh, So we haven't even been able to see that. And just based on, you know, what we have seen so far to start the season, Hendrick Motorsports, man, looks really, really good. And maybe I just underestimated their, you know, their improvements. Um, I just... Really didn't see it coming. And despite how talented Kyle Larson is, I know he is, you know, arguably the greatest driver in North America um, at this moment. But I really just didn't think that this would mold together so, so quickly. Um, But hey, maybe Hendrick Motorsports is just that good this year. And it's being shown early on. But we did say that last year. You know, Alex Bowman was strong, won at California uh, early last year, and then, you know, pandemic hiatus and all that stuff, and they really didn't show much else for the majority of the season outside of outside of Chase Elliott. Maybe I never realized just how much Chip Ganassi Racing was holding Kyle Larson back. I mean, Kyle Larson's first career win, I feel like. People were talking about, you know, it's going to be week after week after week after week. We're just waiting for it to happen, and it never did until his 99th start. And, you know, we talk about Kyle Larson as one of the most incredible talents to ever walk in NASCAR. And, you know, Tony Stewart calling him the most talented driver right now, and rightly so, uh, because Kyle Larson, you know, during his suspension, raced 82 dirt races this year or in 2020 and parked his car in Victory Lane on 42 occasions 42, which is basically half, a little more than half than that. So, you know, he's used to getting into a car with not much prep and he's extremely adaptable. So, you know, with all that in consideration, I totally and absolutely completely was wrong on Kyle Larson. Um, But hey, that's even more of an incentive to go subscribe to the YouTube channel to hear some of that some of the outlandish things that I talk about um, but hey all jokes aside uh, Kyle Larson really looks uh, looks like he can contend for the championship this year and we're gonna be seeing even in these early stages you know just how good these guys are on mile and a halfs Hendrick motorsports two for two on mile and a half right now. And with Kyle Larson, you know, outside of the Daytona road course where he almost one was in position to win that race, you know, has been off to an incredible start. So early success. It's great to see the 48 crew as a Jimmy Johnson fan. It's great to see the 48 crew back in victory lane. And the story with Kyle Larson, his, his return back to the Cup Series, um, you know, getting a lot of respect right now from, I think, a lot of people. And it's, a, uh, it's great to see him back in victory lane. He's uh, he's fought really hard, and it's good to see him back. Kyle Larson is also the winner of this week's Hard Charging Award, throwing down a race-high 51 fastest laps. And with that said, let's now take a look at some of the top finishers from this race. And the top 10 speaks for itself, as I mentioned before. This race was dominated by Hendrick Motorsports and Team Penske. Uh, Joe Gibbs racing as well. I mean, this entire top 10 outside of Eric Jones, who had a very, very quietly strong run today with a 10th-place finish. I mean, this race was dominated by these by these top three teams. Ryan Blaney had to fight his way up through the field. He was very, very fast, started in the back, really needed to accumulate stage points, was able to come away with the top-five finish, so hopefully this team can rally out some of that momentum and start matching the finishes as Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano consistently in the top 10. Uh, we, I mentioned Eric Jones briefly. But that 43 team had a very quiet day coming to coming away with the top 10. Really, really nice to see. And I also want to shout out JTD Doherty Racing, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and Ryan Priest getting top 15 finishes. Ryan Priest, we've talked about, you know, that car, that team does not have a charter. And the fact that they're able to put together top 15 finishes is really, really impressive. So uh, all the best to them. And the same the Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. last week at Homestead was extremely fast as well. And JTD Doherty Racing uses Hendrick equipment. So Hendrick Motorsports, as we've talked about, has been very, very strong. It's no surprise that JTD Doherty Racing also is able to show a little more strength on these mile and a halfs uh, because they use the same equipment. So... You never know, JTD, Doherty, specifically Ricky Stenhouse Jr. You know, Ryan Priest as well, but I'm looking at Ricky Stenhouse Jr. to maybe come away with a sneaky, surprising win. At this rate, anything is possible. It's been an unorthodox start to the, to the season, but it's been great. Uh, we talked about Matt Benedetto a little bit earlier, coming away with a 16th place finish. He was only to, able to accumulate three stage points this past weekend, which is not what they needed. They needed much, much more, but hopefully this 16th place finish they'll be able to have a better starting position because they've they've been SOL on start on uh, starting positions with their uh with their finishes and I mean their entire start of the seasons. But it's been an SOL type of season uh so hopefully they can turn it around because they they need to and Michael McDowell as well 17th place that's all this team needs again not a finish outside the top 20 to start the season yet and that's really really great for this front row motorsports squad and if you haven't noticed We're missing one big, I would call, and most people would call, powerhouse team. Where the hell is Stuart Haas racing? Kevin Harvick was our pole sitter, and from the drop of the green flag, he dropped to the back of the pack. I mean, he was outside the top 10, I feel like, after the first two laps. And just from there, was not able to do anything. He was vocal on the radio, Uh, Seemed to have a lot of problems with the car, just wasn't able to really dial it in. And Stuart Haas Racing was nowhere to be found this past weekend. Jace Briscoe was rarely inside the top 20, if at all. Uh, The same with Cole Custer. And Eric Almirola pancaked the wall late with a flat tire, and he ultimately crashed out. So, you know, it's it's a shame, really, uh, because, you know, we look at Kevin Harvick, who was so incredibly dominant last year and that entire team was so incredibly dominant last year. And, you know, they have had good finishes to start. Don't get me wrong, but they, they haven't been a factor and we they haven't been relevant enough to be talked about. Uh, They're only being talked about now for all the wrong reasons. So with Hendrick Motorsports on the rise, you know, could we start to see a little bit of a shift in, in some of these teams and some of these teams dominance, uh, Stuart Haas Racing, Kevin Harvick, the elder statesman, not only on the team but in the NASCAR Cup Series. And you look at the rest of that roster: Eric Almarola doesn't win races. Cole Custer is a little bit of, uh, he's a little bit of a mystery. And Chase Briscoe, a rookie, very very talented. You know, again, still unsure of what he's made of as a Cup Series driver. So Stuart Haas Racing's fallen, fallen, and you might have to st- you might have to sell your stock on SHR. I also just want to touch upon Bubba Wallace, who somehow came away with a 28th place finish. This team lost power steering early in the race. They were caught multiple laps down. Uh, just wasn't able to really find anything from the start. So it was really, really unfortunate. You know, high expectations for this team. I, we're going to talk about them every week. But, uh, you know, just just goes to show. Even, even the, the best, it might seem like the best possible position, but it's going to take time. And, you know, there are definitely growing pains for this. And, you know, they just got to fight through it. They got to just keep on trugging, and they'll be able to find some speed down the road. But it's not it's not starting. And uh, we'll have to see if they'll be able to find any playoff speed. It's a long season. We'll be able to see. We'll be able to see that. So those are some of your top finishers from Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Now let's jump in. box top stories why don't we we had a lot of different news popping up and getting released this week and a lot of different storylines from a few different races so I want to start with this uh talking about Kyle Busch Kyle Busch refuses to answer whether his spin on the apron was intentional or not during this past weekend's race at Las Vegas in the Camping World Truck Series now Kyle Busch was on the apron had a flat tire and just lost it on the apron And when we talk about intentional spinning for personal gain in NASCAR, I mean, this stuff is not a new concept. It's been happening. It's been happening for a long, long time. But in listening to the broadcast, which was the most uh, interesting thing, because Austin Dillon was the was the guest analyst there with Michael Watchup and Vince Welch. And Austin Dillon basically on the broadcast said Kyle Busch that said Kyle Busch intentionally spun that spun that truck out. Uh, I mean, he was he he had saved the car earlier earlier in the lap. And then had just lost it on the apron for some reason. You know, he would have had lost a ton of time on pit road under green. When that caution comes out, catches him a break, and he was able to fight back for a second place finish. So, you know, it's definitely not crazy to think about because it has happened before. But Kyle Bush has been very vocal about these things when they have happened in the past. And he's even said, you know, if you're going to penalize one driver, you better penalize the other. So just be careful about what you do. Um, he's had some pretty pretty interesting sound bites uh, on this topic but when we look back at some of the most notable uh, notable intentional spins and controversies I look back to Spingate obviously he's one of the most uh, one of the most notable back in 2013 with Clint Boyer I mean Clint Boyer intentionally spun out in order to buffer Martin Chcks jr into the playoff picture uh, that race was at Richmond and You know, that was heavily talked about. And then in 2019, Bubba Wallace openly admitted to NBC Sports on camera that he intentionally spun out. And NASCAR, until NASCAR is legit about penalizing drivers and doubles down on this idea, let them do it. What's stopping them? Nothing. Uh, You know, you could say it it, it hurts the integrity of the driver and it hurts the the integrity of the race, but, you know, What are you going to do if they're not if they're not going to penalize drivers for intentionally spinning? They're going to do it. (laughs) I mean, it's not it's not rocket science, right? But NASCAR is examining the situation, so they might be doubling down. Uh, They might not be tolerating these things in the future if they continue to happen. You know, especially from a driver like Kyle Busch in the truck series. What kind of an example is that setting for these drivers? You know, in NASCAR's minds, they probably see this as, you know, we have all these young drivers. We don't want to see them. You know, taking notes as we're just going to intentionally spin to save our day. Hell no, we don't want it to become a common thing. But until they do something, let the let them do it. That's just how it. That's just how it is. But hey, they are examining the situation, uh, so we'll see what they say about these things in the future. News coming out of Nashville: Nashville Mayor John Cooper has signed a letter of intent with Bristol Motor Speedway to renovate Fairgrounds Speedway. The track is set to go under a $50 million renovation that will bring NASCAR back to the fairgrounds. The letter of intent states that, quote, The goal of this transaction is to renovate this historic Metro-owned asset to make it a valuable and treasured part of the newly redesigned and developed Fairgrounds Campus and to create a holistic destination for Nashville residents and visitors. A properly designed and renovated NFS will welcome top-tier NASCAR events and create a positive economic impact for Metro. Now... Before we talk about any of this, this stuff is not set in stone. This is all great news, and it's overwhelming news because we've been wanting to get back to the fairgrounds so freaking bad. But it's not set in stone. They have until July 31st to uh, make the agreement, or else the city of Nashville or Bristol Motor Speedway can, can walk away, and we'll have to start all over again. And nobody wants that. Uh, but right now, there are a few things here that are and could be Proposed to be obstacles in getting this done, and the first is the track's proximity to the upcoming Major League Soccer stadium. Uh, there is a lot of talks about this, uh, you know, in scheduling conflicts because of the close proximity. How are they going to be able to schedule uh, both events and certain events that are held at both facilities? You know, they talk about heavy traffic. That is also another big problem with this. You know, depending on uh, when and how these events are able to go hand in hand with one another and then also just the difference of fan bases soccer fans and NASCAR fans you know it's just two totally different sides of the sports spectrum and so it just doesn't seem to really maybe make sense uh but going off of that you know it's not only the proximity to the stadium but it's also the track's proximity uh to the downtown Nashville area and the surrounding neighborhoods and one of the biggest concerns is the noise And, you know, we look at most NASCAR tracks, how far back they're set, you know, in open in open land. So, you know, this is a factor that needs to be looked at. There have been over 100 community members that have voiced their opinions on this matter. And they are really emphasizing that they want to be engaged in this stuff. They're emphasizing community engagement and also just a slower timeline. They want these things slowed down. Uh, So, you know. I think right now we're looking at possibly a 2022 date, but probably going to get pushed back. I mean, it could be 2023, it could be 2024, it could be 2020, whenever. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, this is the closest that NASCAR has gotten to getting the sport back to Fairgrounds Speedway. You know, they've not raced here since 1984, and this track is the second oldest uh, operating speedway in the United States being built in 1904. So this is a piece of motorsports history and you know, NASCAR is really trying to emphasize that. And we look at a guy like Dale Earnhardt Jr. who has really been trying to push for this, who, you know, with his company, Dirty Mo Media and the Lost Speedways really, you know, trying to harness and, you know, can collect these stories from these tracks. So it's the history factor as well that really, really makes this uh, a great story. So, if it needs more time, give it all the time it needs in the world because we really don't want this to be screwed up. Uh, there seems to be a lot of support from a lot of vendors and a lot of people, um, so it's really, really good news, but we just got to you know, pump the brakes as always, kind of chill out for a minute. Uh, But Nashville could become the center of American motorsports in the coming years. You know, we have the NASCAR banquet there, the NASCAR Awards, and we're racing at the Nashville Super Speedway Uh, and NASCAR diving into these new trendy hit markets, Nashville, Austin, Texas, who knows where else they're going to be able to go to. You know, it's really uh, in their best interest to try and hit this. And this could be a really good thing for the city of Nashville and for American motorsports, not only NASCAR, but IndyCar as well. Finally, the Superstar Racing Experience revealed its car for the first time on track during a test. Uh, Ray Everham and team were posting on social media. Ken Schrader was there testing the car. Really, really looked nice. Take a look at the photos here if you're watching on YouTube uh, but really, really like it looks like a typical late model car from the front. No splitter, which is very interesting. And I mean, you gotta love the SRX flare here as a communications guy, as an advertising guy, this is my bread and butter stuff. I mean, you gotta love it. The X grill on the front, all that stuff is gnarly, man. It looks really, really awesome. But at first glance, I was like, this is the Ferrari F40. This is the Ferrari F40 looks exactly like it, right? It's really, really cool. Uh, the engines for these cars are being supplied by Ilmore, who supplies the engines for uh, the Camping World Truck Series and the Arkham Menard Series. Uh, if you notice there, also Goodyear tires on the car, which, you know, given Tony, given Tony Stewart's history with uh, with Goodyear tires and some interviews with Goodyear tires, uh, it's a little bit surprising, but regardless, nice to see anyway but now let's see some paint schemes i'm really interested to see how these cars look are they going to do a similar thing like they used to do with the irock series uh, where they differentiated drivers by color Uh, how are they going to do that you know and also to be able to see this car on track you know how's it going to run what does that look like is uh, really going to be uh something interesting as well but hell we got a couple months until this thing gets fired up on cbs sports I mean, really looking forward to see who they got on tap for the broadcast. You know, just stuff like this. This is so cool. I'm, I'm so for this, uh, this superstar racing experience. Grassroots short track racing with, not even NASCAR. You know, it's more than NASCAR. You got veterans and the best of the best in all disciplines of racing. It's going to be really, really fun. And you know, these, these first looks at these cars looks really, really cool. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. And I'm sure we will find out more in the weeks and uh, months to come. Now we look ahead to Phoenix International Raceway this upcoming weekend, and come in full circle, a full year round. You know, Phoenix International Raceway, the last race to host full capacity uh, fans before COVID-19 happened, and it's almost like deja vu in a sense, man, with uh, with this happening and how we have gotten to this point somehow. It's really, really crazy, uh, but it's our first race since Championship Weekend at the track. Super stoked for that. Chase Elliott, the defending race winner. Joey Logano, run this, won this race in the spring. Phoenix, this new configuration always puts on a show. So really looking forward to this race. Tune in to the Instacart 500 this Sunday. Coverage beginning at 3 p.m. Eastern on Fox. Now let's close this week's episode with some Tuesday motivation. While this is a NASCAR podcast, the hard charging brand is all about living your best life and for today's motivation I want to discuss women in NASCAR because yesterday March 8th was International Women's Day and we continue to see women break through the industry excelling at covering managing and driving in the sport from Sarah Christian in 49 to Shauna Robinson racing in all three national series the industry continues to see women breaking through and just a few weeks ago we saw Jamie Little become the first woman to lead a national motorsports broadcast and for the next decade or so so, we get to watch the stories and the careers of drivers like Haley Deegan, Gracie Trotter, Natalie Decker, and Brianna Daniels. All of these badass women continue to fight with the big boys, and we're going to continue to see that for years to come. And above all else, ladies and gentlemen, keep your foot to the floor. Leave the BS out the door. That's going to do it for me. Thank you all so much for tuning into episode four. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode on Twitter. We are talking NASCAR on the daily over there, and the links to the YouTube channel as well as the TikTok account and all that good stuff are in the description of this episode and every episode. Be sure to check out all that content we've got pumped out there and stay tuned for more throughout the week. I hope you all have a great rest of your week. I really appreciate the support and I will talk to you next week. Enjoy the race this upcoming weekend. We'll break it all down on Tuesday. This is Mike Bachman signing off.